my friends, Brett Patterson coming at you from the financial capital of the West Salt Lake City, Utah, on a beautiful fall morning here on a, actually a Fed day. The Fed's announcing rates today. Maybe we can address that. Maybe we won't. I don't know, but I am, I do know this. I'm joined by, by the one and only Brian Hunsaker. Hey, Brett. How are you? Oh, living the dream. Good, man. But Brian, honestly... I've got something on my mind I want to talk about. It's an article I read. I'm a little nervous here, Brian. Are you? I'm going to pretend I'm nervous right here, Brian. I'm going to try to put myself in the mind of a client or somebody else, non-client, that's nervous about the market right now. And I just read an article on marketwatch.com, which I would tell nobody to go to that website ever Mm -hmm. because you're going to see articles like this. It says this. The super rich are selling stocks, buying property, and keeping cash ready. Pretty scary, right? Yeah. These super rich, they've got to know something I don't know. In fact, the super rich, it's made up of a coalition of 750 members worth in excess of $75 billion. That's a lot of money. And they've raised cash to levels they haven't seen since 2013. Mm -hmm. Oh boy! Wow, Brian, the super rich are selling. So should I? Yeah. When you first told me this, I think you read this article or told me about this article. I thought, huh, that's interesting. You know, super rich people—they got to be super smart, right? That's why they're—that's why they're rich. Yes. So my and I think my question to you at that time was. Well, what were they doing in 2013? You know, have they been pretty smart with? Uh, they had a whole lot of cash in the 2013. market. Oh, they had a lot of cash. They had a lot of cash in 2013. Yeah. So were they smart? Well, uh, <laughs> I know the answer to that. The S and P 500 <laughs> in 2013 <clears throat> up 32 percent. <throat> the following year up 13.69 percent. So they were they basically missed out on 45% over a 2 year period. Oh. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That doesn't seem like a real smart move. Now here's the other thing though, Brian, because it's not just the super rich. There's a lot of fear out in the market right now. Through July 31st, US domestic stock mutual funds and ETFs saw 67 billion in net redemptions. So people selling their U.S. stock in mass, world stocks and ETFs. So if we look at the, the world as a whole, $20.5 billion in net redemptions. So people selling $87 plus billion in stocks globally. Yeah. Okay, so here's the other thing. What are they buying? $255 billion? Went into taxable and muni bond mm. ETFs and funds. Huh? <laughs> What's going on here, Brian? There's a there's a lot of fear. People are worried. People think this this uh, economic expansion has gone on a long time. It's getting tired. The economy's tired. Uh, worried about trade. They're worried about you know China, you know the, the federal deficit. I mean, they're worried about a lot of things. 
Um, I know the recession's coming re- too. And the recession's 100%. coming. 100%. Right. Recession's on yeah. its way. It's near. I mean, it's here. You know, <laughs> it's, it's really close if it's not here. Yep. And uh, I, I just know that being a contrarian, taking the other side of, of uh, kind of the consensus view has worked pretty well over for me and our, and our customers. And so I, I would question those moves. So being contrarian, and you could look at every one of the stocks in our portfolios, I think we bought when they were out of favor. Yeah. We love being contrarian, but let's look at some data and just some, some basic information that supports being long equities, being long stocks. In order to do that, what's the easiest way to say the S&P 500 is a better or a worse buy than bonds right now? So one of the things you have to do is you you have to look at what the risk-free rate of return is. And the the benchmark for for that, the risk-free rate of return, is the 10-year U.S. Treasury 10-year note. And today, you can invest invest your money in the U.S. Treasury 10-year uh, Treasury note and lock in a, a 1.84% for 10 years. One Okay, so let's define this for anybody that doesn't know. The risk-free rate of return is 1.84%, which is the 10-year. Why is it called the risk-free rate of return? Because it's backed by the U.S. government. Right. It's saying, you know, it's never going to say this is a guarantee, but it's as close as you can get not owning an annuity. Right. It's 1.84% on a 10-year investment. Right. And, and really, that's the benchmark. You have to have a benchmark. And then from there, you compare other investments. So here's the risk-free rate of return. And so then you ask yourself, well, you know, what are my other alternatives? So you have stocks, you have other bonds, and there's a degree of risk in both of those. And, and in any other investment, there's a degree of risk in, risk in any investment and really, the closest to risk-free is the ten-year Treasury. Okay, so the ten-year Treasury, which is seeing a lot of inflows right now, people buying, versus the S and P five hundred. What's the better buy right now? So to do an apples to apples comparison to the S and P five hundred, um, well, let's let's back up a little bit. There's two things. First, the dividend yield, just the dividend yield on the S and P five hundred, which is a portion of the profits of those companies, the S&P 500 companies. Only a portion of those profits do the companies pay out in a dividend. And right now, the dividend yield on the, 10, or on the S&P 500 is 1.92%. And that historically has grown. So today, it's 1.92%. But in 10 years from now, that will be significantly higher. Not necessarily the yield, but the amount of money, you, the amount of money that, that, dollars. that you'll, the dollars you'll receive will be significantly higher, probably... I'm guessing probably maybe not double over the next 10 years, the, the dollars you get, but it will significantly be higher. So you're telling me the 10-year at 1.84, the dividend yield was just a slice of the, of the earnings right. that companies are making, probably the S&P 500. Probably 40 to 50% of those earnings. Just 40 to 50% of those earnings are outperforming the 10-year. Right. So that's just looking at a slice of it. What about everything that a company's earning? The, so whole, the whole thing. The true apples to apples comparison is looking at the, the profits, the 100% of the profits of the S&P 500 companies. And today, the earnings yield on the S&P 500 is 4.69 or let's say 4.7%. So 
if you take 100% of the profits of, of the S&P 500 companies, 4.7% versus the 10-year treasury at 1.84. Now, if you look at what the estimate is for this year, 2019, on the S&P 500 earnings, we're looking at about on the S&P's current price, about a 5.5% earnings yield. And, 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 expected on, and the earning, expected earnings on next year on the S&P 500, we're looking at almost a 6% earnings yield. Again, coming back to and that and those earnings historically for the last fifty years have grown between six and eight percent a year. Now it's lumpy. It's never six percent or never eight percent. It's you know it's what like last year it was up seventeen percent. The earnings was up seventeen percent. This year it's only going to be up single digit. It's never six and eight percent, but it on average it averages about six to eight percent growth over time. Over yeah. time, so it, it should double over the next ten years. Okay, so. Here's, here's what people fail to see. Two, two thoughts, Brian, based on what you're telling me. People all, they don't recognize that when they buy even an index fund, they own slivers of each of those 500 businesses mm-hmm. through that fund. We buy equities specifically. So we have ownership in those businesses. It, we're not just getting a dividend yield. There's a whole lot more to it that people forget about. That's what this earnings yield is looking at, correct? Yeah. So what happens is a company will take, and not all companies pay a dividend. This is That's the average is 1.84% or, excuse me, 1.92% currently today on the S&P dividend yield. But what happens is they'll take, you know, let's say, you know, a big, mature, blue chip type company. They may pay out 40 to 50% of their profits in the form of a dividend. They'll reinvest the other 50% back into the company to grow the business moving forward. So you get a growing earnings stream and a growing dividend stream. It's a, it's a pretty good deal. It's, it's, it's actually pretty cool when you think about it over a long period of time. So you've got this group of super rich, and you if you were to present this to them, it would be, hey, 750 ultra wealthy people what are you not seeing here well why do you think they're selling i think this goes back this is the next point i want to make yeah i mean they're they're thinking that they're going to outsmart the market that uh they're going to get out you know avoid the recession avoid the major correction and then when the market takes a dip, you know, they'll get back in. I think that's what they're thinking. They're thinking, you know, there's, there's a recession, imminent recession and correction to follow. And so, hey, I'm going to step aside. I want to avoid what happened to 2008. So you talked to a pretty, a pretty smart guy yeah, the other day. Yesterday. Same conversation. Tell me about that. Well, he said, why would I want to own stocks? It's just pieces of paper. You know, I'd rather he, he, he owns a lot of gold and silver and metals. And uh, and I'm thinking, why would you, you know, why would you own a piece of metal that produces absolutely nothing? I'd rather own a business that actually produces revenue and profits and dividends. Gold doesn't produce anything; it just sits there. And he's, his argument was, well, you know, if the market goes down, at least I'll have something. You know, it's not a piece of paper. And I says, well, these aren't just pieces of paper; these are real businesses. We own real businesses. Yeah. You know, Ber- I, I brought up you know Berkshire Hathaway, for example, Burlington Northern Railroad. Geico Insurance. I mean, these are businesses that have been around for decades and decades. Justin Boots, Brian. Justin Boots, <laughs> Dairy Queen, yep. uh, you know, in a, in a huge portfolio of blue chip stocks as well. Yeah. So to me, the super rich article, which I think is just ridiculous, they were wrong last time. 
I firmly believe that they're going to be wrong this time. Well, just based on the data. Even if they're right, they're going to be. I mean, even if they're right, that say, hey, a recession, in the next six months, the recession's on its way, or there, even there, even if there is a big correction, uh, it, you know, nobody really can predict it. No one can predict when the recession is going to happen. No, these are these are big macro things that. There's so much data that no one's ever been right as far as predicting. You know, it's like weathermen. You know, in fact, economists make weathermen look really smart. No one can predict when the next recession is is going to come. You just got to think, hey, except there's going to be good and bad times, but over a long period of time, over three, five, and ten years, you're going to do pretty well. Just stick and just say, hey, I'm going to be a business owner, and uh, and when stocks get cheap, I'm going to buy more. And if they get crazy expensive, okay, take a little bit off the table. I say today that's not the case. Stocks are not crazy expensive. They're pretty reasonable. Especially compared to that risk-free. Well, yeah. If you look at the risk-free rate turn, I mean, you know, stocks are trading about a little bit above average on, the, on a PE multiple earnings, on an earnings yield. But if you look at where stocks are relative to the risk-free rate return, stocks look cheap. Now, you know, tell me where the 10-year trade is going to be 10 years from now, and that will really tell us whether or not stocks are going to... But in a... In a Environment where interest rates are relatively low, stocks look pretty attractive today, and uh, that's where my money's at. Here's the problem I think that people have right now is that we're coming off of 2008 financial crisis that just destroyed people psychologically. It's still with people. And so when they see headlines like the super rich have more cash than they've had since 2013 – that freaks them out. And we've seen it. It's causing people to sell. That's the redemptions versus all these bond inflows that we're seeing. People are psychologically scarred. Realize, folks listening, that you own good businesses that are making money. And it sure as heck beats a 1.84% 10-year treasury. Well, and these businesses... Just our approach. I mean, we're looking for businesses that have staying power. They're going to be here in three years and five years and 10 years and even 20 years. I mean, we're looking for the great that we're not we're not speculating on businesses that, you know, or that some flash in the pan. I mean, we're looking for businesses with great staying power, long term competitive advantages. So and that's our that's just our approach. You know, we we are not short term investors. We're long term investors. So, my friends at home, to summarize all of this, if you're afraid, don't be. Relax. Focus on the next 3, 5, 10, 15 years. There's going to be a recession. That's okay. Yeah, there's going to be a, there's going to be a, there's going to be a market correction. We had a market correction last year. I mean, we have them. You know, it's going to happen. We're going to have another one. And my my what I would focus on is say, okay, if that happens, then you know, I want to put a little bit more money in the... I want you know, to buy more. Right. Buy your groceries like you buy your stocks. The contrarian... Or vice us, versa. Right. Say what? I, say, I said vice versa. Buy your stocks like you buy your groceries. Yes. Yeah. On sale. Yeah. So being contrarian as we are, ignoring the fear, doing your best to do so is, I guess, the summary of the conversation. Yeah. I, I think so. It's... So to wrap all this up, Brian, stocks versus bonds look very cheap versus that 10-year. 
being a contrarian has always suited us well. Be fear, be greedy whenever others are fearful. And there's a lot of fear out there. A lot of fear. Yeah. Hopefully that helps folks at home listening. We got to get Spencer in on one of these. Where's yeah. that dude at? I don't know. He's. Uh, I don't know where he's at. <laughs> he's in the other office right now. He's doing financial plans. Yeah. We love Spencer. We'll get him on next time. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you later. This is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized financial advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's financial situation is unique, and the topics discussed on this broadcast should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized advice. Specific financial securities discussed are not intended to address any listener's particular financial situation and should not be considered recommendations. This is for educational purposes only. For more information, please contact Iron Gate Global Advisors at info at or by calling 888-591-0334.